1: Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company, a nationally ranked community-focused bank with over 30 locations throughout Virginia, Northeast Tennessee, and North Carolina. Who you choose to bank with can make all the difference. Visit firstbank.com to learn more. Virginia Tech football coming off the heels of a tough one, a 34-3 loss down in Louisville. We'll break it all down for you with our football crew coming up. It's episode 327 of the Tech Sideline podcast, and it starts right now. We record on Monday, November 6, 2023 from our tech sideline studios at the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Hey, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead, leave us a like, a comment and subscribe and Do us a favor, refer the show to a friend as well. Let's go ahead and introduce the football crew on set. To my right, lead analyst and columnist Chris Coleman. Across the way, as always, our senior staff writer Andy Bitter. In the fourth chair, managing editor David Cunningham. Producing behind the scenes, we got Key McCrimmon making his uh, podcast debut, and Will Stewart helping out as well, our founder and general manager. I'm Giovanni Heater, and thanks again for joining us on this Monday morning. Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. The Tech Sideline podcast is also, though, brought to you by Coldwell Banker Townside Realtors, trusted real estate agent services for the Roanoke and New River Valleys of Virginia. If you're in the market to purchase or sell a residential property, or if you're looking for land or investment property in southwest Virginia, we have you covered. Three offices in the area, visit cbtownside.com to learn more. Gentlemen, a tough one, 34-3, to the final score in Louisville. Bit of a reality check for the Hokies, <laughs> I feel like it's fair to say. I think so.
2: Uh, I, I think there's obviously a big difference between, like, Louisville and Florida State and the rest of the league, I think. Like, I don't know who the third best team in the conference is. I guess maybe you could say it's North Carolina, but even they've got major, major weaknesses. Um and, and I think there's a big difference even between the middle of the conference and the bottom of the conference because we've seen Virginia Tech just hammer three of the bottom four teams in the league. So it's, there's you know been some upsets and things like that this year, but I, I think generally speaking, we know the pecking order of the league right now and Florida State and Louisville are clearly at the top. Yeah, there's this sort of creamy middle of the ACC and Virginia Tech clearly
3: belongs in that group. <laughs> Uh, based on results this year, I think the other takeaway I take from that game is Man Luba's pretty good uh, and perhaps closer to Florida State than the rest of the pack. And I thought that maybe that was less the case going into that game. Uh, there's not really a weak part on that team. They're a physical team, they're pretty experienced, they have explosive players quarterback who's solid I don't think he's a spectacular guy but he didn't make any mistakes out there and he threw one incompletion uh in the game on Saturday uh so I, I came out of that thinking man Louisville could give Florida State a game in this ACC championship I mean they're pushing the top 10 right now uh I think they're they're worthy of that ranking and you know on the flip side the Hokies not ready for prime time yet that was pretty evident
1: so let's piggyback off that a little bit Andy is this more Virginia Tech, okay, it, it was kind of a comeback down to earth more moment, or is it more, okay, Louisville's that good, and you can kind of hang your hat with this one on Saturday. Like, are you disappointed in the lack of competitiveness out of the Hokies?
3: You know, I thought Louisville would win. I thought the Hokies would at least be competitive. Uh, I, at the very least, expected them to show a pulse. They didn't even show a pulse in that game. I mean, they, even if you lose by... Twenty or something like that if you showed some fight at various points or uh, sustained some things I mean you know I wrote it you look at the losses earlier this year you can there's some a silver lining in a lot of those losses Purdue they came back from a 17 nothing deficit it was a weird weather delay they were in that game Um, you know Rutgers I feel like you could see Kyron drones grow on every drive. He got a little bit better as he he started to get used to playing quarterback and be the starter there. Uh, Marshall, they ran the ball well. They just didn't run it enough. Uh, Florida State, terrible first quarter. They played him even the final three quarters. I don't know what you take out of this Louisville game. There was no point to go, well... I mean, it's like John Love made another field goal. I guess that's pretty good. Peter Moore punted it all right. You know, Bashaw Tootin, I guess, ran the ball well. Uh, Limited number of carries. But there's nothing you go, man, they fought. It's like they didn't really fight <laughs> It was never really uh close throughout the whole thing they never made it interesting uh maybe outside of that one drive right
2: before halftime that you know ended up with a field goal i thought nasir peoples really came to play yeah and he that's, shows, that's, yeah. that's he, just about like physically I thought pads were, were popping earlier for, with, for with sure. uh, nasir um i i think i think i had a good read on louisville like everything i wrote before the game about them that turned out to be exactly who they are which makes me wonder why I actually picked Virginia Tech, don't want to lose by seven in hindsight. Because that, that there's, I, I guess I just thought Virginia Tech was ready to play a better game against a good team than, the, than they have in the past. Um, so I, I think a lot of that was Louisville. Some of it was Virginia Tech. I mean, early in the game, Virginia Tech came offensively came out really mentally unfocused. First play of the game, the guy just comes through on block. There's one Louisville defender being triple teamed. and. One comes through unblocked. And that's what happens when you start two freshmen next to each other on the offensive line. I was watching that play, and I was trying to figure out what even the play design— because it almost looked like they were trying to set up a screen, possibly. Well, let me continue. I've got more. I've got more from the very first drive. Then Virginia Tech uh, has a false start. And then on on third down, they throw— uh, screen pass out to the wide receiver, but yet there's a running back running a flare pass right behind the wide receiver. It that wasn't look like it was, It didn't even look like it was intended for Lane. He Cr- just kind of caught it like out of self preservation. Well, I thought it was I, coming at me. I, I think dr- drones went to pass and he saw two of them there and it's kind of seemed like he kind of threw it right between both of them and, and, and then he kind of threw his hands up like that. So that play, that drive was discombobulated from the start. And so any so any chance Virginia Tech has of winning on the road against a team like Louisville, you have to come up, come in with 100% mental focus. And, and they did not. They, they, they clearly did not. So I, I think... Obviously, Louisville, whether the game was in lane, whether it was on a neutral site, whether it was on the road, I think Louisville would have been a bridge too far at this point. But Tech clearly still has some mental issues with playing on the road and getting off to starts and, th- and things like that, because their the last road game, Florida State, bam, 17 nothing at the end of the first quarter. And while this one wasn't as bad on the scoreboard, it, you look at the like first it half, been. it could have been. It certainly could have been.
1: Yeah, no doubt, especially when Louisville, they miss a field goal uh, at one point as well, um, that could have added to their lead. Um, I ask you guys, is Louisville proof now that in this modern era of college football, it just seems like, okay, you can literally build a successful team in one year. Mm. Is this a model that you think other programs, maybe Virginia Tech, should start to look at and be like, we got to try and replicate that? Let's not act like Louisville was just completely bottomed out. I mean
3: that was a bowl team last year. Satterfield was getting out ahead of the posse there uh for a, a different opportunity. I don't think he liked it there. I don't think they liked him there. So yeah you know, this was a team that I mean they played in the Fenway Bowl last year against yep. Cincinnati. I forget what their record was, if they were six and six, seven and seven, five. Maybe you like know that. mediocre team, but they did not bottom out. Uh you know the team that played in that Fenway bowl was not like the team that Virginia Tech put on the field in the pinstripe bowl. In 2021, that was, uh, vastly different rosters with that. Now, I, I have to credit brahm I mean, he's come in there right away. They've taken a ton of transfers at that program, a lot of impact transfers. One didn't even play. They didn't mm. even have their best receiver oh, in that yeah. game. <laughs> it, their leading receiver for that matter. game
2: 17 catches. For yeah, the
3: <laughs> uh, that uh, Grendo guy they got from Wisconsin, who apparently uh, Virginia Tech pursued. I didn't realize that. Hmm. Uh, until pry mentioned it after the game uh he looked fantastic they didn't even really have to lean on jawar jordan you know one of the best running backs in the league they had this backup come in and he ran over them too so they have they've put a lot of pieces in place they got the coach they wanted all along uh, but I think in terms of where the programs were when these coaches took over,
2: Louisville was a little bit more advanced than Virginia Tech was. Yeah Louisville always has solid talent and they did hit the portal really hard to supplement what they already had And then not to mention that, that's just a really talented coaching staff in my opinion. I think as said it last week, credit to Brom, both Brahms uh, and the rest of the staff they won at Purdue. Which is really hard to do. Like Play the Big Ten title game at Purdue. At Purdue. Yeah. Um, you know Purdue, the only time Purdue's ever won, like that I can ever remember, was like when Drew Brees was there. Joe Taylor, right? Hall of Famer right. Joe Taylor. Exactly. It, t- it takes a really special coach to win at Purdue, and I think that's what Louisville's got now. I think they've got a really upper ep- echelon coaching staff.
1: What went wrong with the offense on Saturday? 140 yards of total offense for Virginia Tech. You look at the other side. Louisville had 382 yards, 231 on the ground. Why couldn't Tech get things going?
2: They had they they were playing behind the change the whole game, and that's the one thing this offense cannot do. It's it's the spitting image of the 2019 Hendon Hooker offense. All right, so you've got a redshirt sophomore quarterback with very limited experience just like 2019 when Hooker was a a redshirt sophomore quarterback with very little experience. That 2019 offensive line by the end of the year was starting three freshmen on the offensive line. Virginia Tech is currently starting two freshmen next to each other on the offensive line, but then they're bringing in two freshmen off the bench. So four of their seven-man rotation is all freshmen. So you, you can't be in long yardage situations you know you're going to have some mental breakdowns to begin with but when the other team like knows you have to pass it then then they're going to crush you like the 2019 offense was really good until they got in situations where the other team knew they were going to have to pass like at the end of the game in the UVA game in 2019 when they, Tech started uh, out at like uh, maybe their own 15, and like UVA knew they had to throw it, and like Hendon Hooker just like that is getting sacked every other play. But because the the smoke and mirrors aspect of the offense was gone at that point, I think Tech got off to a bad start because of their own, you know, you know, mental screw ups early in the game. Plus, you know, Louisville's talent level. Let's let's not forget that. But once it's once it's you know 14 to three or 21 to three. The running game goes out the window at that point, and they know you're going to throw it, and that's not how this Virginia Tech offense is built. The offensive line isn't experienced enough. The quarterback isn't experienced enough. Yeah, you know, this was
3: Pry after the game, so we just didn't block them well enough in the run game or the throw game. So I mean, I, I think this offensive line had taken some strides. Uh, you look at that PFF grade after the Syracuse game; they yeah. ran for 318 yards. O line did not get high marks in that game necessarily for blocking, and uh, this one was even worse. Uh, you know, Louisville, I think, is a pretty good defensive front. They gave them troubles uh, all game long, but I think this was definitely a reality check. Uh, for the, where this offensive line is and what its capabilities are. You mentioned uh, getting behind the sticks. Virginia Tech faced third down situations where they needed 19, 14, 32, 27, 18, and 13 yards. Average uh, of
1: 16 yards. Third
3: and eight or longer, they were 0 for eight. I mean, it's just not a team built to pick up that kind of yardage and against Syracuse, they averaged eight yards per play on first down, right? I believe that was And this it. one was 2.3. Right. Tied for their lowest all season with... Old Dominion, surprisingly, yeah, of wow. all the games where they had the uh, uh, worst first down production. Yeah. So, I mean, you remember uh, some of those games where they got back into it and they're in third and short, and even if they don't pick that up, which they didn't a lot, fourth and one, they can they can go for that with Kyron Jones as their quarterback. He has so many options on short yardage situations and how can you use him there when it's fourth and 10 or third and 10, third and 12. It's like, okay, he's going to drop back and pass it not the strength of his game at this point. It's still developing, I'd say. So, uh, yeah, got to get ahead of the sticks. Can't be behind it like that the whole time. That really put him behind the eight ball this whole game.
1: Kind of felt like they almost, at the beginning of the game, got away from what had been working. Felt like there was a little bit less of this pre-snap movement and this deception. Was that something you guys noticed as well, particularly very early, first couple of drives in the first quarter? There
3: wasn't a whole lot of time to do it. I mean, they went three and out very quickly. They didn't yeah. sustain many drives. I think they had one drive that was longer than 27 yards, mm-hmm. and it was that, tu- that field yeah. goal drive that they had. So uh, they never really had a chance to get into a rhythm, and I think they just uh, discombobulated the whole time on offense. That showed in the total yardage.
2: I thought it was there. Like the, the first play of the game was supposed to be some kind of a screen, some sort of a deceptive play. The, th- the third play of the first drive was a man in motion. It was just... A bunch of guys don't know who it was. I don't know whether it was supposed to be wide receiver screen or a running back flare, but it was both, and it didn't work. And uh, so I think it was there. I just think there were major execution problems and a team that just mentally was not ready to play on the road. And I think Louisville, quite frankly, is just better and made them look bad too. So uh, I don't. I don't have any issues with the scheme or the game plan. And this one, they just got outplayed.
1: How would you assess the quarterback play out of Kyron Drones on Saturday?
2: Well, he's 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 exactly what I thought he would be. I think he's going to be a very effective quarterback when the running game is working and you're staying ahead of the sticks, and he's going to be twelve of twenty-one for sixty-nine yards when you're behind the sticks. Um, that's just a simple fact. I mean that that that's he's exactly who I thought he was, and and I think so. It's I think Virginia Tech coaching staff is post Marshall have done a good job of using him, uh, but. I think this was a game where you know things around him need to go right for him to be effective, uh you know just like his predecessor, I think um The good news is you know there's there's no more Louisvilles on the schedule.
3: Yeah, I'd say not great, but that's pretty much my assessment of the entire offense. (laughs) When you have your, you know, fewest yards in eight years, fourth fewest yards since 1987. I mean, there's not a lot of positives to to put out there in this offense. And you know, in Drones' defense, and Louisville was on him every single play. And that first play was just a sign of things to come. He was sacked four times, I think. Had 19 pressures or something like that. Uh, I mean, he was under constant pressure uh, in the pocket. When that's the case, you know, it's tough for any quarterback to really put up big numbers or any kind of numbers. Uh, So it was just a struggle from start to finish.
1: You know, somebody I was impressed with was Plummer on the other side. Jack Plummer, quarterback for the cards. He just kind of played the game, right? Only threw it 12 times. Andy had mentioned this. Started 7 for 7 in the first half. Didn't really take any risks and just let his tailbacks carry the load. They used that RPO. Where we were able to mix that in, and they ended up scoring on it with that Jaden Thompson dump over the middle. It just He just kind of played the game and didn't try and do too much at all.
2: I said on the preview podcast last week, I said, if Louisville is smart, they will run, run, run. And they're smart. Uh, You remember in their wins this year, they were averaging 24 throws per game or something like that. And in their one loss, it was 53. Uh, that's how important the running game is to their offense well but you know they really doubled down on, on the run this week despite the fact that jawar jordan was apparently banged up and not 100 i just think they looked at virginia tech's weaknesses as a, as a defense and said look every time virginia tech plays a team with a pulse they can't stop the run so we're just going to hammer them they didn't really start throwing the ball with Plummer until later in the game but at that point their running game was so effective that that he goes eleven of twelve for one hundred forty-one yards. I think he's a solid, competent player. But if it's third and eight all the time, then he's not eleven of twelve, right? He's. It's, it, I just think their running game set up so much stuff for their quarterback to be successful. I'm not taking. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but I'm just saying that, I, I Kyron Drones and Jack Plummer are different players, but I think Jack Plummer, he got. The exact, what happened around him in the game was exactly what needed to happen for him to have a good passing game. He he stayed out of the way. Right. What happened to Kyron Drones in the game was the exact opposite of what needed to happen for him to have a good passing game. It's as simple as that.
3: Yeah, I think you, I mean, Brom knows how to coach quarterbacks. That's his thing. Uh, His brother is the offensive coordinator, correct? Yep. Uh, I mean, you look at Plummer's history. He's an experienced guy. He goes all the way back to Purdue. He played against prize Penn State team in 2019. He's the starting quarterback as a freshman that year. So he's been around. There's a reason why. Brom when he got this guy from Cal, this is his third team that he's on, and uh, you know they manage him well. They don't put a whole lot on his shoulders, and he goes out there and he executes what he needs to in this offense. And then this one, there wasn't a, a, really a whole lot of need to throw the ball, and uh, he
1: looked very efficient. Uh, out there as a quarterback you know you saw you talked about Chris if you look at the defensive side of the football that the run woes have returned not only that felt like the big play run woes have returned granted it wasn't these 62 85 yarders like at Florida State but these longer runs uh, Garendo had an unbelievable game limited carries for Jawar Jordan allowed him to kind of step up I just ask again, why? What 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 allowed this defense to fall back uh, into uh, some of the old stuff they'd they had gotten into?
2: They didn't fall back; they just faced a better team. They weren't. It's not that like they played. If you look, even look at the linebacker grades against Syracuse, they weren't good. It's just Syracuse was so bad they couldn't take advantage of it. Like it, Syracuse is a poor, poor. Sorry, I don't know if you like to hear this, but Syracuse <laughs> I, is a you're, poor you're football team. You're correct. And, uh. uh Louisville is not a poor football team. Now it is interesting as far as the run defense. Like Tech is either getting torched or they're absolutely shutting the other team down. There's like never like an average performance. There's no variation at all. It's either it's domination either way, uh, which is interesting because you you look at most teams' uh, box scores and you see a little bit of variance sometimes. You know. Maybe they play above their heads one week or, or not as well as they should in another week. But for the Tech run defense, has probably been the most consistent group in the country this year as far as either getting dominated or being totally dominant. There's never an average performance. Uh, this, this week they're facing a BC team that... You know, averages over 200 yards a game on the ground. Um, so it's going to be another challenge this week, although for a different reason. This time it's the quarterback. Uh, so I, I don't think Tech's defense changes on a week-to-week basis. I think the level of competition changes. And I don't think anything's going to change from here on out. Each game's going to be decided by matchups and things like that. Um, my view on the Tech defense remains unchanged. They need natural inside linebackers with a nose for the football, and they don't have that.
1: BC's won, what, five straight now? Yep. Wow. They could also
3: use Jalen Stroman back. They could. Uh, yeah, I, I think Jalen Jones is at the point in his development where it's just not ready for a role that large. Uh, Jalen Stroman, uh, pretty good hitter out there when he keeps his head up. <laughs> <Like a> Targeting <laughs> penalty. Uh, it, they just they've they've not had those safeties play together for an entire game this year and that's not a position where they have a lot of depth. I think a lot of the, the fits and the problems you're seeing, you know, in addition to the the linebacker play shows up in that safety spot and that's how you know uh, a 10-yard run becomes a 40-yard run and a touchdown or something like that. So, and on, you know on top of that that Louisville's offensive line, you know, they JC Price mentioned it ahead in the week that they're great at finishing. They're a really physical group and and they showed that uh, the other day.
2: Yeah, I uh I still have one bone to pick. Every time there's a there's a starting safety out, Mansour Delane should be at safety. They need to use their cornerback depth, because they're both cornerbacks can play safety, right? Um, I know if, if if you if you do that, then you can't run your nickel package as much, but there's not a huge need to run the nickel package anyway because Keonta Jenkins is your star linebacker, and he's a former starting safety. He's already got coverage skills. So for me, every time I needed another safety in the game besides one of those top two guys, it's Mansour Delane playing safety. I think that gets your best 11 football players on the field. Um, it's just the drop-off between the starting safeties and their two backups is immense. And if this season and has taught me anything or the the targeting era in general has taught me anything is you better have some safety depth because you never know when you're going to lose one. Safeties are more likely to get called for targeting. And then if you add on injuries to that, which has been an issue for Tech this year, you could end up playing backup safeties a lot. So that position is also now, I was always thinking about defensive tackle and I was always thinking about linebacker in the transfer portal. Now I'm also thinking about safety because Virginia Tech needs safety depth. They're going to lose Nasir Peoples this year. Especially if uh, it's more than one drive. you know, yes.
3: It's like, oh, he's shaking up on the sidelines. It's like, okay, that guy can get in. But if you're going to miss him for a half or be out for a whole game, he's, he's not going to play. When you've got the whole week you have to make prepare. a wholesale
1: shift and, and just commit to that and, and get in your best 11 on the field. Do you think that, and, and I saw some buzz on Twitter about it. I didn't really feed into it a whole ton, but do you think that the fact that, Jawar Jordan's carries were, were so much less than one would have expected, and Garendo was the one to kind of step up. Did that play a factor at all when you spend all week game planning, like, hey, we got to go at one of the best tailbacks in the country here?
2: No, nah, I think Louisville was going to do the same thing from a schematic standpoint, no matter which one of those tailbacks uh, was in there. So Jordan actually had more carries more than, than Garendo.
3: It
0: yeah. just didn't yeah.
2: feel that way. Remember Garendo all, didn't have like a 60-yarder called back, too? Oh, for the hold. For holding. Yeah, for holding. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, so it, it would have been, been worse. It would have been 12 for, for over 200, which was almost exactly Benson-like, what. Benson-like. Yeah, exactly. You know. Didn't yep.
1: they end up missing a field goal on that drive, they did. too? They did. So he would have had four touchdowns then. He could have. That That's great. Well, he had three the rest. Of the, that, that, that's wild right there. Uh, I also, this is a situation where I think it doesn't play much of a factor, but say Jamari Thrash does play. Does that change anything?
2: And Jamari Thrash, I'm sure, would have been a very effective blocker.
1: <laughs> they're, they're still running the football. You think? <laughs> still running the football. All right, all right. I, I figured. I figured. Um, didn't get after the quarterback much this week. You had mm. 15 total sacks in the last two weeks combined. You had one sack in this ball game. Yep. What was the difference? Opportunity. 12 attempts. I mean, they they, they drop back, and when they did, it wasn't a great pass
3: rushing situation. They didn't put them in third and long at all. Uh, there were no sort of duress plays or. or You know, like if it's third and 12, it's like, okay, I got to make something happen here. Maybe I hold on to it for an extra tick. And the D-line knows they can just sort of pin their ears back. They didn't have those opportunities. What was it? Cole Nelson had the The one one sack. 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 He's open and drive in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I think they always say you need to earn that right to rush the passer. Hmm. And that happens on first and second down. You get to that third down and then you can
2: really go after them. And they never got in those situations. I will say this. You know, Tech was credited with eight pressures in this game. So 12 passes. Tough him.
3: to do on 12 passes. To get yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's, That's actually a high yeah. number of pressures. It's just he was able to get it out right before you know he was sacked or he was able to step up into the pocket he's not he doesn't have much athletic ability I'm actually disappointed that uh he had positive rushing yards because for his career he actually has negative rushing yards yeah <laughs> but uh you know, so he was it was, 14 all it, year it was going a, to the game it was a little surprising that he had a couple keeps but what he is pretty decent at I mean he's a veteran guy he can step up in the pocket and can avoid it and things like that but tech was getting to him they just It would have been nice if they had to make him throw it 30 times. And then I think he would have seen some some more sacks in there.
1: Nazir Peoples, like you mentioned earlier, did have a nice game. Just a guy that, you know, as, as we were calling the game, we're like, wow, he he's kind of in on every play. He's doing a lot. They had that one play where Jawar Jordan took it up the middle and he kind of met him. Yeah. Oklahoma drilling the hole. You could feel that one. Yeah. <laughs> in the press box. That was a, that was a powerful hit. Yeah, yeah. So what he, stood out to you guys specifically? I know you just kind of touched on it, but what what did impress you with it, Nazir Peoples game? He was mentally strong. Uh
2: the one play I really liked was uh when he broke up the sc- or not break up, but he made the tackle on the screen pass. Like he diagnosed it immediately and just sliced in there and, and made the tackle. And uh, like Jordan was tackled before he even really turned around to start running. So I just thought he was mentally dialed in on exactly what Louisville was doing. And and he came, he brought a very physical presence to the game. It would it would be nice at some point if you could get a healthy Nasir. You see how good he he's capable of playing, how well he's capable of playing when he's a hundred percent. We know that Strowman can play well or does play well when he's hundred percent maybe one game this year will actually have both those guys for hundred percent for all four quarters. Yeah. It might happen. I don't
3: even know if this year is hundred percent.
2: That's He's true. Still got He's that big not. knee brace on yeah. and
3: you know, coming back from the knee injury that probably just needs time to rest. So the fact that he goes out there, probably
1: not hundred percent and playing like that. Uh, very impressive. Did anybody else stand out to you at all? I know that, you know, we're trying to find a silver lining. There really isn't one. You lose 34 to three, but did anybody kind of impress on a couple of, plays uh, at all.
2: Yeah, um I, I thought Foldarius Payne was good. Mm-hmm. I think he's generally been good for Tech this year. Uh I don't think the defensive line on the whole uh, was was bad. I mean, some performances were better than others. I mean, the the the, the main issue in this game were were linebacker and safety fits as usual. I, I think there were a couple games earlier in this year early in the season where I don't think the defensive tackles experiences they are played as, as, as well as they were capable of playing but I think they've been a lot better over the last you know four or five weeks and I don't I don't think it was whenever Virginia' Tech's defense made a good play in this game it was either generally either nasir peoples or the defensive line the corners didn't really have a chance to make any plays because they hardly you know Louisville hardly threw the ball but uh you know in general I thought the defensive ends uh defensive line help they hung in there I'll I'll say to, I'll, I'll say um and Feldarius Payne he had a tackle on a half for loss he he stood out to me um Dante Lovett got in there and, and made a play toward towards the end and uh, that that was nice to see um John Love John had John Love get that going. streak going he kept the streak going, the That's scoring right. streak. If he yeah. had missed that
3: field goal, oh boy. Oh, it would have been nice to end that. So they could <laughs> stop putting that note in the game notes like it's some sort of accomplishment or something like that. It's, right? well, yeah. it, it's that.
2: it should have ended a couple times in the past, two or three times. By all right, it should have ended. though. It should have ended in that but, BC game a couple years ago when well, the, all the quarterbacks were hurt. And, it should have ended twice in 2014. Uh, it was 30-0 in Miami, and then they brought in Mark Leal with like a, two minutes left, and they got a late junk touchdown then obviously wake forest they didn't score until overtime
3: yeah really the the streak has only been extended by technicalities, technicalities, regulation
1: scoring they have had a game with zero points it felt like the turning point in the game really maybe not even a turning point but tech had a chance right you come out of the halftime break you're like ah really would have loved to have gotten a touchdown there instead it was 14 to 3 you come back louisville has the ball But then you force a 3-and-out, you get that sack, and you're like, here Mm -hmm. you go. You need some points here. If you can generate a drive and instead Tech goes 3-and-out themselves. Yeah, I think
2: with the way both teams performed in the first half, I felt fortunate that it was 14-3 to at halftime. Um, And then Virginia Tech got that stop to start the second half, and I'm like, okay. I didn't think Tech played anywhere near what they were capable of in the first half. It's unlikely that they're going to come back against this Louisville team that's showing signs of having a big day running the football, but it is possible you've got an opportunity. You've just got to play better than you did in the first half. They didn't. But the opportunity was there.
3: Well, they they had that promising drive right before halftime. Then uh, that pass to Gosnell.
2: The pass, offensive
3: pass. Yeah, the offensive pass interference where Daquan Wright comes across the middle. What what did you guys think of that? Because I thought it was a legit penalty. Um, It looked like he set like a basketball pick and then extended his arms to to make contact with the guy going by. It's like you can't make it obvious to the official
2: by extending your arms and doing that. I got Tristan Raich to comment on that on Twitter. Our back judge. Ask a back judge. Let me find what he said. Um I mean it's it's a rub route, you're trying to do it, but you can't like th- extend your arms
3: and make it obvious that you're, you're that was the off main the issue
2: is he extended his arms. I, I I think if he hadn't done that, like he didn't make much contact with But him. he did make contact. Right, right. He said uh Tristan says deep sigh. These ones suck. Yes, it was, quote, by rule, the correct call. The onus is on the offensive player to avoid contact. But Gosnell already had his man beat by a step or two. There was no reason for Wright to make any contact there. So it's it's one of those where theoretically you can call. Honestly, I think there have been more egregious pick plays not called on Virginia Tech. You you know, I, I think I've seen Virginia Tech wide receivers in the past. Make those those pick plays, and I'm like, man, I can't believe they didn't call. Was oh, that. that military but, bowl
3: against Cincinnati? They called it on Dalton King. Oh, I think
2: and, you're right. And uh, that, yeah, I think that
3: basically cost them the game. Probably so. Uh, and how, how things played out, I, I thought that was a pretty egregious
2: one. I think the main thing is, you you got to keep your hands inside. It's kind of like holding. It,
3: it, they saw the arms extend and yeah. saw it make contact, right. even
2: if the the receiver had
3: already beaten his guy, right, and probably would have gotten. Pass it. It wouldn't even have been picked up the first down. I think it
2: would have been fourth and one. Which, right? correct. Which, well, God, I remember before I saw the flag, I yelled out, All right, go for it. Because you you need to, for me, with drones, fourth and one in the goal line, a field goal is not going to beat Louisville. You need to score a touchdown going in. Well, how half-time. much time was left? Because I. People are like, oh, clock mismanagement by
0: Pry. And I looked up the clock. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's halftime. Yeah, this game. Eight, it's yeah. There was yeah. by. I there had no idea. There was 12 or 13 seconds left when there was the penalty. But,
2: right. Correct. But they had all three timeouts left at that point. Okay. Yes,
0: but because of the penalty, as soon as the ball was set, like. The clock started. The clock Ronnie. started, so timeout it wasn't eight, until right? like eight seconds left. So they let like five seconds run off the clock, and then they called a timeout. Right,
2: right. It's like they didn't know if the clock had, was going to restart. If they had right. called
0: timeout immediately, could
1: have then they could blood. have had
0: potentially one or two plays to the end zone. Mm-hmm. But then with four, se- like with eight seconds left, they, they only just, had one. Well, it yeah. was third down. Correct. 13, so they were
1: twenty-four at that right. point. They would have had yeah. one, play one play with and still had a kick in twenty-some yards still had had to the, kick the end, the end zone. And I think he would
3: have gotten the same result regardless of yeah. how he managed the clock there. Now if I if they so. would have if that play would have stood, then you call timeout quickly. You right. have an option down there. Uh, but if they score a touchdown there, I guess maybe the, the game looks a little bit different. But just the way they were playing, I don't think it it affects yeah, the yeah. outcome in any way. So thirty
2: four to three, probably not.
3: Thirty four to seven is not much <laughs> different than thirty four to three.
1: The red zone struggles continue, though. They they get into the red zone. Obviously, the penalty pulls them back out of the red zone. and then they end up kicking a field goal. It's like ah, you just you just felt like you needed uh, a touchdown there. How can this team regroup? After a loss like this, because you're still fighting for bowl eligibility here. you got to win two of the next three.
2: It shouldn't be hard. You lost to a team that's, by the end of the regular season, I think is going to be ranked in the top ten. And and they got uh, a who knows? You went out and, and you beat Florida State in the ACC title game. Who knows what could happen wi- with the Louisville? Here's the yeah. thing. It's one loss. yeah It's not like you made a quintuple bogey and you're like,
3: <laughs> i got to work my way back from this for the rest of the round. like It's one loss. Whether you lose by one point or 31 points, it counts the same in the standings. They had a bad game. You flush it. You go, yeah. hey, that was a good team. They beat the crap out of us. Move on to the next week. I, that's the
2: only way you can do it with a game like yeah. this. And t- Tech has showed even you know last year was a tough year I never felt like Virginia Tech just quit or anything like that obviously when they won their last game of the season uh they started off one and three this year and it was not a problem for them to come back and play a really good game against Pitt that you know they got you know beat fairly handily at Florida State well I mean they got over that easily and came back and, and beat Wake Forest so they've always shown the ability to 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 not let it bother them um I mean I'm sure it bothers them but it's just not going to be an issue. It's a great opportunity to win a football game next week. So if they're not up up for that from a mental standpoint, then you know they shouldn't be playing. But I don't think that's going to be a problem.
1: So how are you guys feeling ahead of this BC game? We still going bowling. You got to win two of the next three. I want to get David's thoughts on that too.
2: No, I, I thought Tech was going to lose this past weekend, okay. and they did. So it doesn't really affect it. I mean, I, I thought Boston College was going to be a tough close game, whether or not Virginia Tech beat. Uh, Beat Louisville. I, I think Boston College. When you, when you look at their their all their games this year, they beat Georgia Tech by 15, and they got you know boat raced by by Louisville. Other than that, all their scores are one score games. They've won their 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 five wins against FBS competition, or by an average of seven points. Actually, their F- win against FCS Holy Cross was only by three points as well, and then two of the three losses were by one score. Um, They particularly love the score 27-24. to That's been the score in three three of their nine games. Uh, Almost all of their games are extremely close. I see nothing to to indicate why this one won't be extremely close. Uh, The issue with Tech is the Hokies don't do well in close games, generally speaking. Um, If Tech wins, it's generally by a blowout. Like When Pry wins, he doesn't mess around, with the exception of the Liberty game. He blows them out. Um, And Tech doesn't do well on the road. So those two things don't bode well for the Hokies this week, but like that trend has to be broken at some point, right? And the fact of the matter is Boston College is six six and three, but they're beating up on a bunch of bad teams and they're barely beating them. Like how do you only beat Syracuse by seven when the quarterback throws you the ball four times, four interceptions? How do you beat one and eight Yukon by one touchdown, right? How do you barely beat three and six Army? Uh so they're getting they're like I respect their turnaround. I think, on the whole, uh, Jeff Hayfley's done a good job there. But uh, they're barely scrapping by against some bad teams. Um, it's a game Virginia Tech has a very good opportunity to win. They've, they've just got to go up there and limit mistakes and and gotta do. They they finally need to have an average uh, game rushing defense. I, they're not gonna shut down. You know, the BC running game with the way their quarterback can run it. But if they can go up there and just have an average run defense performance for the first time this year, I think they can come away with a win.
3: Yeah, I think you look at this BC game, and I think BC and Virginia Tech are the same team. I mean, you look at the SP plus predictions, BC's actually ranked lower than Virginia Tech. I think the projection has it BC by 0.5. I mean, they're, they're basically dead heat. Yeah, And I, I think a lot of people look at this matchup, they go, BC's on a roll, they've won five straight. Yes, Virginia, Army, Georgia Tech, Yukon, Syracuse, not a murderous row of opponents. Not been winning by a lot in those games either, with the exception of Georgia Tech, which was closer than that game, that score indicated. That was a, a tight game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, You look at their struggles earlier this year, lost to Northern Illinois, barely beat Holy Cross. This is a very average to mediocre boston college team which Almost is right
1: florida state though
3: okay down 31 to three at some point and True. came back after florida state sleepy you know, noon game yeah. florida state's I mean, up by four scores and, i think you yeah. know i say you know mediocre team that's what virginia tech is they're in the same boat they're in the same you know like i said before the creamy middle of the acc <laughs> that's just where they are uh they've proven they can beat teams at the, at the bottom rung just like virginia tech has so uh, yeah, this is on the road. If you're going to pick a road venue, like I know people like to lump the basketball struggles in with football, <laughs> it's not as bad as it as it might seem in Chestnut Hill. Since 2012, since Virginia Tech's program really fell off, they're three and three up there. They've won there. It's not like Syracuse where they almost never win. It's not like Pitt where <laughs> they almost never win. They've won some games up there. It's hardly imposing. It's a it's a different kind of challenge because it's just such a lack of an atmosphere sometimes, especially in, in a noon game where I can't imagine they're going to have a, a hefty crowd uh, on Saturday for this uh, this tilt. So, <laughs> uh, you know, this one is there for the taking. I think this is a game that they can win. Uh, you know, obviously can't play like they did last week. That will not be a win if they play like that. But, you know, this is a team that's on their level that they can compete against that
1: they're just not going to be out talented. As always, Tech Island is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. First Bank and Trust Company is a nationally ranked, community-focused bank with over 30 locations throughout Virginia and Northeast Tennessee, as well as additional presence in North Carolina. They offer free checking with industry-leading mobile banking, financing solutions for personal, agricultural, business, commercial, and mortgage needs, and so much more. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. Let's check in with David in the fourth chair. Connor, what you got for us?
0: Um, Andy and Chris, if you had to guess, how many games this season Virginia Tech has played nine games, how many games would you say Virginia Tech has converted two or fewer third downs, if yeah. you had to guess?
2: Games. Two. I was going to say three.
0: Four. Four? Yeah. Wow. I just looked it up, and I ran the numbers. Virginia Tech, that is the most – We've played Virginia Tech has played nine games dating back to nineteen eighty-seven. Virginia Tech has never has only had one season, sorry, two seasons with three uh where they had, they had three games where they did not convert more than two-third downs in a game. One was 89, one was 05. Huh. Virginia Tech has had four games this year where it has not converted two-third more than two-third downs in a game. I went and looked. Do you want to guess what Virginia Tech's percentage is on third and three or shorter? <laughs> uh, third
2: and three or shorter. Oh, they didn't have too many of those opportunities this past week. It doesn't
0: sound like it's great, is uh,
2: my guess. 35%.
0: It's it's 49%. Is it really? Oh, okay. it's, it's about halfway. Uh, third and four through seven. Uh, is 41%. Now, that's, what It's
2: actually not bad for the, for that.
0: Now, what do you mm-hmm. want to guess the third and eight or longer percentage? Oh my God, probably like 12% or something, yeah. 19. 19. Okay, yeah. Virginia Tech is 11 of 59 mm-hmm. on third and eight or longer this year. Now, I went and looked at you know, in 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 wins versus losses. Let me read you what Tech's how like Tech's uh conversions versus attempts on third and eight or longer. In the losses this year. Two and nine, one and 0 oh and six, oh and eight, uh, and the other loss was oh, oh and six. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Tech and, and and fan, like people wonder like why you know why tech like you guys were talking earlier about why tech could not get going. And Louisville won, very good defensive line. But Virginia Tech has shown this season, when it gets in terrible situations, it can't get itself out.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Drones is 4 of 27 this year on passes that travel more than 20 yards downfield. 20 or more yards downfield in, in the air. Now, three of those went for touchdowns. So, you know, the memorable deep strikes to like Daquan Felton yeah. that we saw against Pittsburgh, that we saw against Syracuse. But, ge- but generally speaking, Virginia Tech has to put it in the air down the field. And the other team knows it's going it's coming, Virginia Tech can't complete those passes.
0: Yeah, I, I I just think it's interesting. Like this is um you know, in, in the wins, Virginia Tech was two of five on third and eight or longer, uh, three of six, one of four, two of seven. And in the others, tech has converted three total times. It's like this this is not an offense. And I guess why I say why I bring that up and why I say that is, like there have been some bad offenses at Virginia Tech in the past, and I think this offense is has improved, has taken strides, but this is not a good offense.
2: So they have to be in a certain situation to be effective. They have to stay ahead of the chains, and and they can't be more than you know, they can't be two or three scores down uh, in the, in the game. And uh, now if both those. Situations are satisfied. I think it's a very, very effective offense. Um, and I, the good news is, you know, I don't see Boston College this week or NC State or UVA. Quite frankly, I don't. None of those teams are going to be able to blow Tech out. NC State doesn't have the offensive firepower. Um, and they have I, the defense I, to make they, it a long day. Correct, but you know, they just they did. It would be very surprising if, if it because of their offense if at any point, like their leads gonna they they would get an extended lead uva is probably not good enough and boston college all their ga- pretty much all their games have been close uh so i i think if virginia tech i think they're going to be in these last three games all the way through so they're never going to have to like abandon the running game in any of those games so that'll satisfy one of the two requirements for for playing good offense uh the other staying out of long long yardage yeah. situations and that's that's a different matter
0: yeah do you want to guess so i just ran the numbers real quick do you want to guess what tech's third and eight convert third or eight or longer conversion rate is in losses this year Not i want to say
2: they've uh converted three of them all year
0: three of uh. 37 that's eight wow. mm-hmm. percent. So I, again, I bring that up because this is a this is an offense that cannot put itself in bad situations. And what yeah. it got at Louisville was bad situations. A bunch of bad situations. Um, David Teal tweeted, um, you know, I think it was at halftime, just what Tech had gotten into in third down. I mean, and I think Annie put it in one of his stories. I mean, it's like th- third and ten or more, like six different times like you just you cannot put your offense in in that bad of situations i also want to bring up uh do you guys remember the uh i think andy andy were you on the beat for the alabama game in 2013 yes do you remember how many yards tech threw for in that game uh, not a lot,
3: because I don't think either team got over 200 that, in that game. The 60-something. 59. And Trey
2: Edmonds yeah. had the long touchdown. Long touch. Yeah, he had yeah, a good game. I remember Te- there was a bunch of drops. Like You knew after that
0: Logan game exactly
2: what Tech had at wide receiver that year, which yeah. was pretty much nothing. Logan was Thomas
0: was 5 of 26
2: in that game Right for 59 uh, and, yards. And half of them were drops.
0: Uh, yeah, Virginia Tech threw for 72 yards, fewest since that game mm-hmm. on Saturday. Oh, wow. So that's, a, that's another stat I bring up. I do have a couple questions. Uh, a lot of them revolve around the offensive line. Um, and I'm going to kind of pair them up together. Um, first of all, and Chris, this might be more up your alley. Um, somebody asked, on the first play of the game, the Louisville defender blew by Chaplin with ease. How does hmm. knowing right out of the gate that the left tackle is most likely going to get beat impact it, it, it the way
2: they call play? It wasn't Chaplin. Um, Chaplin, normally, yes, you you go in and block the inside man. But if he had blocked the inside man, then it would have been four on one because you had three guys blocking. I I think in that situation... Uh, Braylon Moore should have broken off the three on one on the inside and, and blocked the blitzer. Well
3: that's why I thought it was a screen of some sort because they right. got in there so right. easily that like they're supposed to release those guys. Right. But right. something something got messed up. Something got messed up. It's, it's, it's
2: two freshmen. Who whose ever fault it was it's two freshmen starting right next to each other. And there's the reason you don't want freshmen playing a whole lot. Um it's because they're uh, they're gonna make mental mistakes. And uh, the good news is they become sophomores. Uh so uh, you know, I just, I, I know the offensive line, it's, it's not good enough right now. They're playing too many young players, but even the experienced players, they're on their third offensive line coach in as many years. So it's, so it's, it's not the scheme. They know the scheme for the most part. It's like for those returning players, it's they're getting, that's three different types of technique you're, you're taught on a yearly basis. And, and so hopefully Tech can have some continu- continuity with offensive line coach after this year, because, they need that going forward. You know, they, they can't afford to keep changing offensive line coaches every year.
0: Yeah, that's what I. We got another question on that. Assuming Ron Crook stays, what. Assuming he's still here another year in the same system, they don't try to change the scheme or anything, mm-hmm. what kind of improvement do you expect? What do you expect Tech's offensive line to look like uh, next year? I expect solid
2: improvement. You know, like I think more and Chaplin have talent, and, and I think, you know, Brody Meadows has talent, and, you know, they're, they're starting to put um, Johnny Garrett in, in there some, and I, I really like him as an athlete. He was a high school tight end. He's got good mobility on, on the edge. Um, now, I also think that they can go out there and help themselves with one or two guys in the portal, give themselves more depth and more options, and uh, and, you know, do a little better job than getting your last guy on your board like they did this year. As far as transfer portal goes, so get, get get some of your top guys on your board, which they failed to do, which, you know, when you're changing offensive line coaches and your old offensive line coach really didn't want to go in the portal anyway. Um, but I, I think they have a chance to have better depth next year and they will have more experience. So, yes, in theory, uh, they're going to be, there'll be a better offensive line next year. I mean, you're just, you're talking about a group of uh, very young players, freshmen on the offensive line, redshirt sophomore, quarterback. Uh, Every player on this offense has has a, is eligible to return next year, and but you know I think they can supplement their offensive line through the portal as well, just to you know create more competition up front.
3: It's amazing how just pure experience makes offensive lines a whole lot better. Like you're just around longer, you've been in the weight room for five years, you're bigger, you're stronger. Played together more. I mean, th- that's why, you know, it's tough to build those things through the portal sometimes because when somebody goes in there, everybody gobbles up those guys real quick in mm-hmm. the big program. So you sort of have to do it organically, and there's not really a great way to rush that sometimes. You just sort of need that natural development to, to happen over time.
0: Andy. Well, oh, go ahead, David. Andy, does it give you pause? We've talked about the linebackers a lot over the course of the season. Does it give you pause that – we saw the linebackers kind of revert to those same issues this week. Uh, I don't know if it gives
3: me pause as much as, you know, they play poorly against good teams and they play okay against bad teams. I mean, I, th- I think that's a, a level of competition type thing is uh, they're going to good, going to look good relative to the, the competition that they're playing. And uh, I don't know if that's something you fix in season. Uh, You know, I I don't know if they were necessarily in the wrong spots all the time. The other day. I just think that they were getting physically dominated and getting pushed off the ball and and that created those holes for them to run it. And so that, you know, that's a credit to Louisville. I think they were a good uh, blocking team. And I think it's just
1: Virginia Tech needs to get better linebacker. Well, on the Ron Crook topic of conversation, uh, if for whatever it's worth at Tech Talk Live every week. I've never seen anything like it. He's there, sits in the front row. He just enjoys going to the radio show. He just goes, likes listening to Coach Pry talk and... For no reason, just goes every week. Every week he's there. It's pretty cool.
2: Maybe he gets a free meal out of it. I don't Maybe know. he
1: does. Maybe he does. I, I love Tech Talk a lot, Dude. but uh, but I've never seen an assistant coach always be there. Um, and sometimes the coaches will come, and then when their segment's done, they'll even like take off. They don't stick around. Coach Pry is very good at sticking around. Sure. I will say, but uh, but anyhow, anything else, David? Before we uh, go over our buy buy or sell results,
0: I guess the, the the one other question I wanted to ask is is six wins like in your mind. Chris, what, what is a successful season from here on out? Is it six wins in a bowl game? For me, I
2: always said it's not necessarily about – I wouldn't put a number on anything. I wanted to go to a bowl, and I thought that was a realistic and fair goal. But for me, it was always more about you get to the end of the season. What does a team look like, and do I feel like they're making progress, and do I, do I see a light at the end of the tunnel? I didn't think any of those things were going to happen after the first four games of the season. Uh and now with the offensive scheme change despite this past week's result I, I still feel a lot better than I did the opportunities there to go to a bowl game I don't think Tech has won its last football game this year I'll say that I think they're gonna beat UVA because everybody's beating UVA, UVA outside of North Carolina <laughs> but uh, I, I, it's just a matter of they do they win one of those other two games to qualify for the bowl if they don't make a bowl game It's going to be more about the start than the finish, in my opinion. It's going to be more about losing to Purdue at home. It's going to be more about losing to Marshall, who, as it turns out, isn't a particularly good team and they don't have a quarterback at all. Um, Shouldn't have lost that game, in my opinion. Um, Shouldn't have lost to Purdue. I don't think the Tech would have lost either one of those games if they were running the current offensive scheme at the time. So when it comes down to it, if Tech doesn't make a bowl, it'll be the beginning of the season that cost them and not the end if they did happen to like go five and seven I don't think I would have felt great about that before the season started but considering the one and three start and then the mid-season improvement the the mid-season scheme change I would feel better about it than I would have anticipated if you told me before the season that they're going to go five and seven uh but there's still there's still games left to be played um I, I think you know the defense is what it is. at This point, I mean, I think I think we know what the team is at this point. It's just a matter of the mental focus on a week to week basis, turnovers, things like that. Um, I think if they if they do go to a bowl after a one and three start, everybody should be extremely pleased with that. Um, although at the same time, let's say you do go six and six, you'd really like to play those first few games over again because you would have a chance to do to do even better. But like, I'm not letting the Louisville loss discourage me. It doesn't undo the progress that has been made. Uh, Tech is beating; it, is capable of beating up on bad teams now and looking good on offense when they do it. I know they beat up on Boston College last year, but they didn't look good offensively when they did it. So progress has been made. Yeah,
3: I, I'm with you on uh, relative to the, how they started the season. And if they make a bowl game, they'd be 5-3. and three in the conference, which I think exceeding anybody's expectations coming into the year. If they come up short, they'd be four and four. That's, you know, They won one game in the ACC last year. I think that's still improvement. So it, while it'd be disappointing based on what you saw in the middle of the season, what they were capable of not to get to those six wins, I don't think it's make or break. I had a, had a mailbag question with that last week mm-hmm. and that's sort of how I answered it is. I, I think you've seen progress with this team. Uh, is it happening as quickly as you'd like? No because everybody wants it to happen faster than this. And obviously have, have seen some of the potential of this team, but I, I do think it's a step forward. Nonetheless,
1: for the sake of time, we'll kind of go through quickly our, uh, buyer sell results here, but I, I will say, uh, Pretty good weeks for everybody, despite the the lines being way off. And who could have expected that? Uh, but Chris definitely took the cake this week. Chris, you uh, went seventeen and six. No kidding, which is World. pretty
2: pretty darn impressive. Man, there were twenty three questions.
1: Yeah, Man. we did a lot of you questions.
2: Twenty three questions. Yeah, wow. we did. really actually
1: we did twenty five questions, and two of them were a push because Jamari Thrash didn't play. Uh, uh, okay. okay. Um, yep. Yeah. And then uh, Andy and David both went fifteen and eight. So you guys tied. Dang. David was on a red-hot start. When I was doing this, I was like, oh, wow, David's running away with it. He started 6-0 and then kind of balanced everything back out. Uh, But but so the all-time right now, uh, Chris is – and now remember Chris and David missed a week, so we went by percentage as well. Chris is 23-14 all-time this year. Uh, That's a 62% uh, correct percentage. David is 22-14-1 because he had that one, one, and uh, he's 59%. Will is 9 and 10 so he's 47%. He's he's below the Mendoza line, so to speak. <laughs> and then Andy is uh is still winning it. He's 37 and 19. That's good for 66%. Uh, so we go through the, the questions here. Jawar Jordan, 125 yards rushing. He did not. He had 57 yards uh, rushing. Chris bought it. Andy bought it. David bought it. So everybody started 0-1 on the week. They didn't know he was going to be hurt. Or <laughs> no, or yeah. thing. Right, but he played. So he it was like, play. Yeah, so Vegas would to lost. The your money. <laughs> yep, yeah. the money would be gone. <laughs> Basial, two in an any time touchdown. Uh, no, everybody bought it. But David sold it, and David was correct. Dang. Jamari Thrash, 82 or more receiving yards push because he didn't play same with thrash six or more receptions we pushed it uh virginia tech passes for 220 or more yards they did not they passed for 72 yards grant wells had two completion or two passing attempts in that process it was set. the game like was set up for them to go over with that because sure. they were down so much they would yeah. have to throw it the whole time they just couldn't throw it <laughs> literally could. couldn't do it chris uh sold that Andy bought it david sold it um, so Chris and David were correct. Virginia Tech four or more sacks. You guys all said they wouldn't do it, and they didn't. They only had one. Cole Nelson had the sack. Virginia Tech wins the turnover battle. Chris said they would. Andy <laughs> and David said they wouldn't. But oh, that was when I was just going against the grain. Yes. Remember? <laughs> well, it worked for you though because you won the week. I did. So yeah. uh, and Tech did not win the turnover battle. It was a pretty turnover free game. Louisville had the one pick. Uh, Virginia Tech did not get a turnover. Uh, Daquan right four or more catches. Everybody said no, he wouldn't have any he had no catches so there you go two and 15 or more carries uh everybody bought that he did not he had 11 carries on the day i think any he game, should have
3: had more i mean they run a lot of play there weren't a yeah. lot of plays
2: in this game period Fifty-one but, offensive plays for both uh, teams i mean he
3: averaged 5.2 yards a carry but what do you do you're down by 30 points right you're gonna keep running the ball
2: the game only lasted two hours 45 minutes david that's the third shortest game at tech since 2000 right?
0: That's correct.
1: And who were the What were the two shorter games? Uh,
0: the James Madison game and UVA 2006.
1: <laughs> okay. Jalen Lane, 70 or more all-purpose yards. Didn't happen. He had uh, 15, which is, is crazy. True. Chris bought it. Andy bought it. David sold it. So David was correct. Malachi Thomas, touchdown. Everybody sold it. David bought it. It didn't happen. Uh, nobody scored a touchdown. Virginia Tech, three or more field goals. Andy and David bought it. Chris sold it. There were... Uh, only one field goal for for the Hokies. But it was a good field goal. It was a it was great... Was, it should yeah. count as three. <laughs> Important field goal. It was three points for whatever that's worth. Steven Gosnell, three or more catches. Chris sold it. Andy and David bought it. Um, Andy's philosophy there, because I listened back this morning, was he, he thought they were going to have to throw it. Didn't happen. He had two catches for 19 yards. Did and not one was three. wiped out by the penalty. That should have right. hit. That's right. These
3: cheating
2: refs <laughs> cost
3: me a win. Here I was agreeing with the refs. I should have been disagreeing. It would have got me a, another point. You, but your reasoning was completely right. Virginia Tech was well, going to have to throw the ball. That's right. That's true. I completely changed my opinion about that play. It was a bogus <laughs>
1: call. They should go back retroactively, give him the catch. Jawar Jordan, two or more touchdowns. He did have one touchdown uh, in his 14 carries. Everybody bought he would have two or more. He did not get there. He had the one. Tucker Holloway returns three or more punts. Uh, No, he returned just one punt for 17 yards. So Chris and Andy were correct. David said he would uh, return three or more. He did not. Antoine powell ryland two or more sacks didn't happen. He had zero. Cole Nelson had the one. Everybody sold it anyways, so everybody won. Louisville, six or more tackles for loss. That did happen. Chris, you said it wouldn't. Andy and David said it would happen. They had eight tackles for loss, amassing 55 yards uh, of lost yardage for the Hokies. Chris, really yeah.
3: Chris couldn't have been feeling
1: good oh, after that eight, first eight. play. I was looking at socks. Oh, yeah.
3: Chris just, goes in there and is like, all right, less than six TFLs the first play. They just bury drones in the ground. <laughs> like, 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 oh, well. this could be a long day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, tech runs three or more trick plays. That is a question I'll never ask again they ran one that i could remember obviously oh, yeah. the pass interference to eight a- they were looking for that's one of their Green. best plays
3: offensively getting 15
1: yards out of that <laughs> that's very true they didn't i don't think it's gonna be completed either that guy didn't probably didn't need to interfere it's, it's hard to Cameron say ron kelly was the one that did it of course no, was, he was?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah it's hard to say whether like the first play of the game was going to be a trick play because he got sacked so quickly and then what about the, like the third play where? It what was, if he was going to lateral it to the running back coming out?
1: That would know. be a trick play. Exactly. But we'll, yeah. we'll never know. Okay. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody sold it anyway, so I gave everybody the point. Okay. Um, someone leads by double digits at some point. That obviously took place. Everybody bought that, so everyone was correct. Louisville twenty-six or more passing attempts. Chris sold it. Andy bought it. David sold it. it didn't happen. They only had 13 in total. One of them was by the uh, backup quarterback. that was that was crazy. That was a big storyline in the game. They only had to throw the ball. 12 times, essentially, 13 in in total. Louisville, uh, 270 or more passing yards. Everybody sold it. It didn't happen. They only had 141 yards through the air. Kyron Drones, interception. Everybody said it was, you know, everyone seemed hesitant, but everyone said the streak would come to an end, so everybody was correct. Unfortunate how it happened because it almost was, like, kind of not his fault. It was a tip. Uh, it looked like it hit the hands yeah, it of... did, but he threw well, He's it.
2: It he, double coverage.
1: It yeah. was
3: coverage, it was and the guy made it. a
2: nice play to knock well, it there. Didn't even he say last week, basically, that he was due for an interception? Well, yeah, I mean, he almost yeah. Handed, yeah. handed one off to Syracuse in the red yeah. zone down there, so... Yeah.
1: That Living dangerously the, up to yeah, that point. Yep. No doubt. Plummer interception. Andy thought it would happen. David thought it would happen. Chris said it wouldn't. Chris was the only one that was right. You sure that wasn't
3: incompletion? He had one incompletion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. This was
1: kind of like remember the
2: last time Tech played at Louisville, Hendon Hooker was 10 of 10 passing. Yeah. Very similar to Jack Plummer's
1: stat line overall. Tech covers. Everybody said they would cover mm-hmm. and they did not, obviously. The spread uh finished. I think at game time it was nine and a half. Is that, where it, is that where it landed? It wasn't 32? No. You're sure about
3: that? Okay. No, I'm
1: positive. That was actually that was Michigan's spread. Oh, okay. uh, they were supposed to beat Purdue by 32 and a half or whatever. Uh, tech wins. Obviously, that did not happen. Everybody sold it anyways, so everybody got a point on that. So one more time. Chris wins the week, 17 and 6. That's pretty impressive. David and Andy both go 15 and 8. Well, one last thing to cover here before I let you guys go. Uh, hoops tonight. It's a doubleheader. Women play High Point at 5 o'clock inside Castle Coliseum. The men will follow that up. They'll play Coppin State at 8 p.m. I know Andy's not a huge basketball guy, but feel free to chime in at any point. But more for Chris and David. Just what do you guys expect tonight? What are you looking forward to? uh, Hoop season finally here. It's worth bringing up because it's very timely today. I expect two
2: easy wins. And the thing I'm most interested in seeing is the rotation. I would say, for both teams, uh, you know, specifically for, for the men. Who's the first guy off the bench? What does that post rotation look like? How much do we see uh, Barron at the four? How much do we see him at the five? Um, you know, little things like that that you would look for in an early season game where, you know, you're going to win by double digits. David?
0: Yeah, I think um, I'm not sure which team I have more questions about. <laughs> um I would say the men, except the women, I've only seen three players play. So I'm honestly got more questions, I think, about the women's team just because we've never seen half these players or over half these kids play in person. Um, High Point is a very interesting team. It's very similar to Florida Gulf Coast. Shoot the three ball, they kind of play five out, so they don't have a center. So it'll be interesting to see how Tech defends it. Might not be your super easy opening game. Coppin State is weird. First year head coach, so a lot of unknown for tech in the on the women's side, and then unknowns for Coppin State on the men's side. Um, I was talking with Evan Hughes. He's calling the game on AC Network tonight. AC Network Extra for the men after he calls the women's game on the radio, um, and he was like, "I'm, I'm." He was trying to figure out like last week, like how he, how in the world he was supposed to prep for Coppin State because they have a new head coach, half team is is new so um, I, I expect the men to to be okay um, like 25 and a half point favorite when I checked last night um, they covered last year's <laughs> opener 34 points so um, I expect tech to, to look fine on both in both games the women's game is intriguing um, because it's not your normal game in terms of style um, and then the men I think tech will how Tech rotates, kind of like Chris. And I'm also interested to see how much Rex Steiner and Jaden Young play um, as the, the the true freshmen because I expect everybody to kind of play a lot. Um, those two guys specifically kind of see what they're made of, I think, is what I'm most interested to see.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, what's coming up on TSL this week? What can people be on the lookout for? Because the fun thing about hoop season being here and, and how the schedules are playing out, usually you play a bunch of kind of cupcakes to yeah. get your feet wet. Not the case. The men are going to go play on Friday after this one. They're going to play South Carolina. And then, of course, the women got Iowa, one of the biggest that's, games in program history regular season-wise on Thursday. That's a massive
2: one. I'm interested in the South Carolina game. I mean, they were a bad men's team last year, but have they improved? I don't know, but I feel like that's a chance to get a neutral site win. Um, as far as content coming up, uh, David's got a couture feature coming out later today, right? Yeah. Um and, you know, other than that, uh, you know, obviously we'll, we'll preview the men's and women games later in the week, but as far as our football content, it's going to be the same stuff. Brandon Patterson, normal media week. Yeah, we'll to- see. We haven't got the list of who we're talking to yet. Maybe I'll list the best clam chowders or something. Oh,
3: to that would be a week. great one.
2: Yeah, that would be a great How one. How many clam
3: chowders
1: are there? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> preview on
2: Thursday. Um, Friday Q&A on Friday. Regular stuff.
1: Yeah. We got to figure out what we're going to do podcast wise because... We're all a handful of us, anyways, going to Charlotte on wow. Thursday, so we got to preview BC. We also want to preview the the both men's and women's matchup. So maybe maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday morning, we'll figure it out. But uh, stay tuned for that for sure. Uh, well, guys, it was fun, and uh, we'll do it again later this week. Yep. All right. For Keema Crimin, behind the scenes for David Cunningham in the fourth chair for Andy Bitter for Chris Coleman. I'm Giovanni Heater saying so long. This was episode three twenty seven of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll see you later on in the week.